3: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
2: I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On! crime writers on is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime pop culture other podcasts and on this episode an alabama man on death row was convicted for killing a deputy based on testimony overheard on the phone today even the prosecutor thinks it was a mistake we'll review the new podcast ear witness Joining me to get that done and more is True Crime Author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories Podcast, My Husband, Love of My Life, and recent Facebook I don't know, we, what do we call you? Re-enter Kevin. <laughs> Exonery, Flynn. I don't hey, know Kevin, I know. Yeah, How you doing, sh- Kevin? Welcome back.
4: Well it's good to be back on Facebook. I know. To be the only person on earth that doesn't get to be on it.
2: I know. It's, it's a very fancy problem that you were... Uh, Actually, struggling. I was on
4: Facebook. I just couldn't interact with any of our podcast presence there. And then you finally got to see what the hell I've been doing all this time.
2: Right. But I think that I did a pretty good job. And you did. You did. You got to sit there and suffer while I just like took over the group and all sorts of stupid things. Yeah.
4: But by the way, I'm still looking over my shoulder at the Facebook cops. I'm like, I don't know.
2: Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hey, Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca,
5: thank God, you know, a defense investigator, Kevin, who could yeah. help you if you're wrongfully convicted.
4: That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I go to cyber court.
2: Yes. Mm. And finally, and you could
4: appear as a cat. It would be fine that time. <laughs> oh, just like that guy. Mr. Ponton, I believe
1: you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to. Uh,
3: uh, take, take we're trying to. We're tr- can you hear me, Judge?
1: I can hear you. I think it's a filter.
3: It, the- it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat.
2: I'm not a cat. But he could be. <laughs> I want to be sometimes. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcasts, Toby Ball. Hi, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, before we get started with all the fun things we have planned... Mm-hmm. What is coming up on Thursday's show? This is obviously Monday's program.
4: Yeah, on Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast from iHeart. It's called Unrestorable.
2: All right. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, so, Kevin, just to remind people, like, what did you actually do? What did you do wrong? I don't know. Yeah.
4: I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you post something and it gets flagged because of, like, copyright. Yeah. All right? And this is like an algorithm that does this. Like, you know, bang, it finds some code or whatever. Or You have
2: music in this video you shouldn't have used. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
4: something like that. Or you say something that, you know, b- b- this happens most often, you know, that breaks the terms of service. Yeah. And it might be like, a, oh, kiss my ass. That, like, comes, like, the tone doesn't come off right. And it comes, you know, something, oh, it's cyberbullying or it's violence or something like that. Then this is the thing that threw me because I kept change. I had preloaded a bunch of posts and I kept thinking it had something to do with the text, but it kept saying it was a cyber security violation. And I have no idea what that could possibly be. I had a URL insert, which was not a broken URL, but I have no idea how that could have been. I have an idea. And and then no answer, no obvious answer to that. Was the URL unpublished when he loaded those posts? I don't think in this case, it might have been, but it never was a problem before. I know, but they may have changed that. A. Mm -hmm. B, was it
2: a HTTPS or HTTP?
6: I don't don't recall. Okay. I think Violet might have dimed you for a couple of Bitcoins. Yeah, that's
4: it. Violet's messy. Violet, oh, I Fucking cannot messy wait Violet. to talk That's about it. Violet. Oh, That's all right, it. yeah, That's, if something oh, happened. I'm back. I'll be more careful.
2: I will. Can I just say something once to our listeners too that I just want to throw out there? If you have a business page or even a personal page, there's also this thing happening where accounts disguised as Facebook try to scare you. Like there's an account, like a page or an account called the Facebook business center and it looks oh, super yeah, official yeah, yeah. and it's like you'll get a, a direct message from the Facebook business center says your your page is due for deletion because of blank 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 and then you look at the account and you're like this is a fake ass account that is not Facebook yeah it's, it's just it's called like business violation center or something and they're just trying to scare you and spam you and get your data
4: my data so
2: anyway keep an eye out for that scam people it's happening it's real out there you don't want to get caught in that trap all right. Well, I am absolutely, what, chomping at the bit? Is that the word? Champing at the bit? What is the real word?
4: Chomping at the bit. What's like, the
2: real word, Laura? You're a horse person. It whatevering at the bit.
5: Uh, I would say it could be champing. It,
2: it could be either. Chomping. I say chomping. Okay. Well, I'm excited to do that about this Apparently podcast. not,
4: because you just keep adding other things. Well, shush. So let's get to it, shall we? Yeah, how about we? we do that?
2: All right. I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Leading off.
4: And it probably wouldn't.
3: 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 45, I mean, I, I didn't count them. Boom! Small caliber gun. It wasn't a big caliber. And I was sitting the a few seconds later. Boom! About the second time I sat up, boom. That was a gun. In 1995,
2: Deputy Sheriff William Hardy was shot while moonlighting at a Birmingham hotel. An informant told police the shooter was to Forrest Johnson. Even though 10 people saw him at a nightclub at the time of the crime, detectives believed they had their man.
3: Yeah, I don't know anything. i was white. You know what I'm saying? But no, you do. You going make me no. say I did. I did not do it. I was, I was not deaf.
2: But after Yolanda Chambers' statements were discredited, prosecutors turned to Violet Ellison, who said she overheard Johnson confess on a three-way phone call. But years later, even the prosecutor has doubts about the so-called ear witness and whether Johnson should be at Alabama's death row.
3: No question in my mind, this guy was not guilty of, of this crime, and, and I couldn't uh, couldn't comprehend how this could happen.
2: From the producers of Bone Valley comes Ear Witness. Host Beth Shelburne picks apart the original investigation, police conduct, and the credibility of the key witness. What does it say when even the people who put an innocent man on death row can't get the justice system to right a wrong? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from Ear Witness. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. Now, I just want to make a note, because I got this question Mm -hmm. in my Reddit AMA that I am currently doing on the Crime Raiders on Reddit. Why do I sometimes say... Significant plot points.
4: <laughs> I don't know. Why to you? <laughs>
2: because I want to signal that there are significant twists in this podcast. So, you know. So when we
4: say spoilers, like we really mean it's going to be re- We're going
2: to be talking about those significant plot points. So if you, like, really want to, like, don't want to know about those, listen to the podcast first and then come back here. If you're the kind of person who doesn't mind being spoiled, then go ahead and listen to this. But I'm just giving you a fair warning. That's what that means.
6: Yeah, more than most podcasts, this really changes the experience, right, if you know. Right,
2: So So when I say significant, that's a signal, people. That is a signal. I
6: just want to point out that you keep talking about how badly you
4: want to talk about this, and we're seven minutes into the episode. Oh, hush, hush and now. And you're still, like, be, you're still, diff- come on, let's go. The Tangic
2: Centric Podcast.
4: Let's do it.
2: All right, Kevin. Thumbs Ooh. up,
6: thumbs down. Let's do it.
2: <laughs> and that does it for us. From everyone at Partners in Crime Media. All right, so Kevin. Yeah. Lava for Good. This is Jason Flom's mm-hmm. outlet. Of course, he's also a record executive, a music executive, and now he has this outlet where he's largely focusing on wrongful conviction, justice forward podcasts. What do you think of this production company and the content they have been putting out?
4: Well, they've been busting out the best wrongful conviction stories, bar none. And not just like the rage inducing kind, because a lot of these stories, the, the source material is very frustrating and can be, you know, can elicit big emotions in people but these are really well told stories so this is a great successor story to bone valley to show that these folks like to tell stories that are meaningful but it also in meaningful ways and so like we don't hear from Teforis once nope and yet he's very present throughout the entire series and sort of the tiktok is very compelling about how they got from here to there and brought the whole thing together.
2: So, Toby, this podcast, I should tell people, is very different from Bone Valley tonally. It doesn't have that sort of like lugubrious, slow unraveling of the story. It doesn't have sort of the intimacy of like the Gilbert King and Chelsea, like up close Mike journey thing. It's a much more efficient, very quick paced podcast, but it does have one essential thing in common with Bone Valley, right?
6: Yeah, well, like Bone Valley, it starts with the reporter getting a tip from an unlikely source. In this case, it's the former attorney general in Alabama who uh, says this is a guy who's on death row who doesn't deserve to be there and somebody needs to take up the case and look into it and get some movement behind getting this guy out of there. So, you know, Alabama, which is not known necessarily for its attorneys general, being super liberal, so I think sort of you're you're starting off. You're like, okay, so there's definitely something going on here. Like this isn't just like a shot in the dark or whatever. There's clearly some substance to this, and then we find out.
4: Yeah, and it's funny, Toby, because the the AG's name's Bill Baxley, former AG. He says, I don't know how the guy got indicted. How they got? I didn't see how the jury convicted
3: him. I would have never believed that that could have happened in Alabama.
4: Really? <laughs> you could not have seen how a black man could get convicted for killing a sheriff's deputy on the thinnest of evidence in Alabama. Really?
2: Or anywhere. Or anywhere?
6: Yeah.
4: But Alabama. He's like, but Alabama?
6: This is just the first of, I mean, there's not a ton of them, but there's a few just like head scratching moments where <laughs> Gob
2: smacking like, moments. Have
6: you- <laughs> Like, are you, are you aware of like any history or anything? Um, yes. or, yeah. or just so anyway, things
2: that people say that you're like, do you know, you just said that out loud kind of situations. Right.
6: Yeah. There's a lot of good tape in that kind of way where people, you know, I wouldn't even say they're unguarded. I would just say they're sort of don't realize the effect that what they're saying has on other people or how sort of out of step their views are
2: so one of the things laura that struck me immediately when i listened to this podcast is that the reporting is thorough and pretty impeccable and efficient i mean my experience of listening to this podcast like episode one i'm like okay what could they possibly do with the rest of these episodes of this podcast because the reporting just comes at you fast and furious and there is a lot of it what did you think of just sort of like the thoroughness the detail the receipts of this entire enterprise
5: Oh, this was on a level sort of unparalleled with anything we've listened to in recent times. I think in terms of the amount of research that was done, I mean, she gets thousands and thousands of pages of documents that she discusses going through, reviews those, goes directly to various players in this, but analyzes the information and presents the information in just such a thorough way that, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's dense, but it's, there's nothing wasted in that density, if that makes sense. There is just detail after detail, and she'll line things up in such a way that you have the complete picture, I feel like, of what was happening at that time at the end of this podcast when you've had that amount of detail and that amount of thorough investigation into a case like this, which is a a huge injustice, you know, compared to I, I can't even think of other cases that we've listened to where you're like at the end, you're like, oh, this is absolutely heartbreaking because it's so clear that this man should not have been convicted. But I think the reporting brings us to that conclusion because it was so well done.
2: I have to say, and I was uh, texting with my legal theory friend Colin Miller about this as I was looking at this podcast, this might be the worst story of a wrongful conviction case that I have ever heard in terms of, A, I mean, any wrongful conviction is equally awful. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of how this one unfolded and in terms of how it is not being corrected, It is among the worst, if not the worst one I have ever heard. And we are going to get into some of those twists and turns. But one of the things I want to talk to you about real quick, Laura, is one of the major process issues Uh in Alabama, which is the defense resourcing of a Uh. death penalty case in Alabama. We learned that the defense attorneys in this death penalty case for public defenders, they're resourced at $20 an hour with a cap of $1. $1,000 thousand dollars for a death penalty case. What were your thoughts when you heard that? I, I was like, that's barely enough to
5: cover them reading the discovery in this case. Literally. I, I can't even fathom that. I, I really, really can't. I mean, New Hampshire, I feel like right now, is doing a really good job in this area. We had a huge backlog. So that was my sort of barometer for comparison. It's like, well, here's how we're doing it in New Hampshire. Somebody gets a court appointed case say the public defender system can't take it, it goes to a pool of uh, private attorneys who take court-appointed cases, who get funds from the court for not only their work, but for investigators and experts and analysis. If they only had a $1,000, that's not even enough for a fucking Dewey case. Yeah, There's so many things in this case that are egregious when you look at where he is now and why he is still on death row. But if you don't even have an adequate defense going in, I guess I just can't see how that's not a bigger issue, that more people aren't like screaming from the rooftops that this is a horrible approach to adequately
2: giving somebody the right to a fair trial.
4: And he was tried more than once.
2: It could be the only issue. It could be that in Uh, Alabama, you could be death penalty ineligible if you got a public defender. It could that could be the only issue because like it is it's egregious. And I and I'll say like New Hampshire has a lot wrong with its criminal justice system. But we have one of the best public defender programs in the country. Like you'll talk to young lawyers who come here for that program. It's because of the quality of the program. If this were the only issue in the case, I would still say this is a horrible injustice. But it is far from the only issue in this case. Um, Step one, we have the investigators. We have uh, Detective Tony Richardson, who, Kevin, you have to admit, Beth Shelburne gets a lot of access. He's very generous with his time Mm -hmm. in this podcast. He's very transparent with Beth in terms of his interviews that he gives her. And she brings a lot of receipts to these interviews. For instance, at one point when he talks about a witness knowing something that she shouldn't have known, she says, but that was in the newspaper. He says, no, it wasn't. And then she played <laughs> TV news clip from like the following day and it was on TV. But he also, at an episode, I believe it's two, says something like, the detective just knows the truth. And when someone's lying to you, lying to you, you just have to go through those lies until you hear the yeah. things that you know are true.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Richardson really does talk the talk. And, you know, it's like, no, no, no. Best practice, you know, you should never you know, turn the tape off. And then you go back and hear him do that, turn the tape off.
5: When you go off the record with people, I mean, what what is best practices for? Best
2: practice is not to go off the record. That's the best practice. I mean, once you cut the tape on, unless the tape runs out and you changing the tape, you don't cut it off until you're done. There's no way I can tell you why the tape stopped. But I will tell you this. It
6: didn't stop so something sinister could happen.
4: And it's like, he he knows this, but I guess he forgot that he just did that all the fucking time in this investigation. He also has, right, the thing is like, oh, you just know, or, you know, the great woman, he's like, oh, it's not the 1800s. No one gets coerced into giving a confession. And it's like, come on, dude. I mean, he, he comes in also saying this. How's this for one, guys? You're a witness or a suspect. So basically saying, You either better tell me something and make yourself a witness or I'm going to charge you with murder.
2: Right. Who does that sound like to you? Does it remind you of anybody?
4: Who does it remind you of? A lot like Roland
2: Lammy, in my opinion.
4: (laughs) Right. And so for those folks that were there and like didn't have anything, they went to jail for hindering prosecution because they didn't know anything. Right. I was outraged at that. Talk about like forcing people to. Come up and say something. This is how you get Yolanda and you get Violet. Talk
2: people about like them. violating their constitutional rights. Is that what you're saying? Yeah,
4: um, yeah. But you're right. Robinson does. You know, is is generous with his time. Just like we ask people to be generous with us on Patreon.
2: Oh, Kevin.
4: Yeah, I just what?
2: <laughs> I was not expecting that. That was quite the transition. Yeah. All right. Okay, Kevin. I guess we're in the business section. Yes, that of was course. abrupt.
4: No, it wasn't abrupt. Go ahead. Music was playing. Go ahead. You just weren't paying attention. I wasn't. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah. So right now on uh, Patreon, we've got all sorts of great stuff. We're inviting new people all the time to come and join us at Patreon.com/slash Partners in Crime Media. If you join us at the leading off level, you'll get exclusive podcasts, including the Crime Writers on After Show. This After Show. We're going to be talking about stuff that came up in Rebecca's AMA on Reddit. There's a bunch of new listeners that, uh, that are there, so they had questions for us. You'd also get a podcast called Married With Podcast, where Rebecca and I dole out relationship advice, parenting advice, things like that. One of our questions in the last episode dealt with uh, someone whose uh, kid uh, whipped it out on the school bus. Took it out. Took it out. He was only seven. He thought it was funny. He didn't know. I'm
2: sure it actually was. We, it probably funny.
4: was funny. Yeah. It if sounds it looked, hilarious. It sounds <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you join us at the Brickter or level, you get to also get the exclusive podcast from Laura Bricker called Leave it to Bricker. Last time, Laura used goats. To, I can't even believe I'm saying this as the, as the selling point. It's so appealing. It's Yeah, it's 100% Laura Bricker, and in the last episode, she used goats to get rid of all of her poison ivy, which was not successful. 100% Laura
5: No, not successful 100% because they were not able to get to the roots because of this ground cover I had. So I'm back to the drawing board. But it was a very fun time having the goats out. And I don't know what might be next up. I mean, there's so many crazy things that happen in my life. You never know where I'm going to end up. Fire walking, goat yoga, Dog Poop Patrol, I mean, the possibilities are endless.
4: These are all real possibilities. Uh, If you join us at the Let's Do What We Do level, you can get episodes of Crime Riders on early and ad-free. And if you come in as a deep diver, you get all that stuff, but you also get to watch and join the recording of Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby's actually recording a new one this week, and the book is called The Man Who Invented Motion Pictures. Mm. Toby, who's joining you for your discussion?
6: So uh, we have Deep Dive regular Deb Schutica. And then we also had this strange, even though I had overbooked, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people had things come up in their lives that made it so they couldn't participate. So instead of just folding up the chairs and moving on, I reached out to the Deep Dive Dive Bar Facebook group to see if anybody Is wanted that a real to come thing? on. There's a
2: Deep Dive Dive Bar Facebook group? Yes. Okay, you know how you didn't know we had music under the business section? I didn't know about that shit, Toby. Okay.
6: it's very exclusive. All right. we're Um, not in it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I reached out there and said, any volunteers who want to uh, come on and discuss this book? Yeah, so we've got three longtime listeners who are going to be joining, Dev and myself. Colby Ricks. Colby, yeah. Lauren Hawkins. Yeah. And Satoria Tomberlin. Wow. Oh, excellent folks. So yeah. it's sort of a new chapter in the deep dive. I'm really looking forward to it.
2: And a new chapter for Crime Writers On, discovering a Facebook group we didn't even know we fucking had.
4: All kinds of surprises. If you want to know other stuff happening about us, we encourage you to sign up for our newsletter. Go to CrimeWritersOn.com. You get a free newsletter every Thursday. It gives you stuff like Crime Writers On, behind the scenes, merch. Uh, I think we're going to start making t-shirts that uh, are for Laura and Toby to just say uninvited
2: yes also by the Aww. way if you belong to our Patreon sometimes we have live tapings
4: yeah we'll do uh, more of those yes
2: and you can let us know what you like and we'll do more of that too and also you get to come into the Facebook group in the Berkter scale
5: where oh, I yeah. discuss how you can rage exercise and all those fun things and I sometimes post some fun little exclusive things that are happening in my quaint town and we've there. got all sorts of rogue Facebook groups
2: uh, all right Kevin can we go ahead and then the business
5: section yeah why
4: don't you fade the music out now I'm gonna
2: go ahead and fade that music out right now All right. So, Toby, there are several twists in this podcast, and it's enough that we have the story at first of Tofarist being wrongfully convicted through this horrible investigation. And these cops who just completely went in the wrong direction because they knew, of course, that he had done it, even though there were alibi witnesses who said he did not. But I thought for the first couple episodes, this podcast was going to be about their, quote, star witness. And that is Yolanda. Who they bring in and uh, because her mother says, you know, she said that she knew who did it. And of course, Yolanda ends up we learn that she is this police girl who ends up becoming this sort of like serial witness for police. And she ends up being somebody who helps the police and the FBI with drug investigations and so forth. But she ends up testifying that she was coerced, yet her testimony ends up being allowed into his first trial. What do you think about Yolanda's story and the way that it unfolds in this podcast?
6: You know, one of the things I think that this podcast does really well is to sort of set up the environment of the justice system and then also how a lot of the people who are interacting with it, you know, don't have the kind of information or control over what happens to them that you would want them to have and you think in a functional system they would have. Yeah, Yolanda, who is, what is she, 15? 15. When she, but she so, was street
2: smart, Toby, so she read a lot older. She's super
6: street smart, so she's at least like 16 and a quarter. Oh, my um, God.
2: When he said that, I man, Oh.
6: Yeah, it, it's it's insane Disgusting. making. Yeah. And, she, you know, she doesn't have a parent. She doesn't have a lawyer. You know, she's so young. She doesn't have anybody sort of advising her or whatever. She gets pressured into making a statement, which is then used against To Forest. And then just gets essentially used, I believe, by law enforcement for the remainder of her short life to the point at which I I don't think they come right out and say it. But the strong implication you can get is because she was an informant on drug dealers, uh, that that's probably what got her killed. Yeah. So this incident was sort of the beginning of the end for her and in a situation in which she really doesn't seem like she has any chance of negotiating the justice system in in sort of the role that she's called into play.
2: And we should say Beth Shelburne tries to solve or at least advance the solving of that murder. She actually like digs up. she, She interviews people. She tries to figure out who the suspects could be. And then she goes to the police multiple times. She ends up talking to a detective and saying, here is some stuff Can you bring up the file? The guy says, I'm going to go to the storage unit and get the file. And he never, ever apparently does anything or gets back to her because apparently they don't care. Right, Laura? I mean, I kind of thought this is where the podcast was going. It's like, OK, we're going to solve Yolanda's murder. That's where the podcast is going. And that wasn't even the final twist. But what did you think about that? I mean, Beth is she's doing her shoe leather here and she potentially solved a murder here and nobody cared. I mean, that's that's
5: what's frustrating about this is we have the forest case, which is you know, you're like, OK, they got the wrong person. You get this case where you have a crime victim's family out trying to solve the case and actually getting information that isn't going anywhere and then you have Violet Ellison. So there's like three big rage inducing topics I guess in this podcast. Three rage buckets here. So like you said you're like oh this is where this is going. Now we're going to hear about this murder of this this witness and like what happened. But no, now we're on to something else in this case, which is, I'm going to call her, she's like a professional witness.
2: She is. Alright, well, let's get to her then. The um, subject of the title of the podcast, The Ear Witness Herself. So, Kevin, we hear that Violet Ellison is the person who ends up being the star witness at Tofaris' second trial. Yep. They get a mistrial in the first trial. They realize, oh, we forgot. We had this incredible witness and we can now use a woman who overheard It's fucking crazy. <laughs> on a party line, essentially, that he did it. We're going to bring her in because she's super credible. We hear jurors say in the podcast Mm -hmm. that she was credible, and that is why they convicted him. Now we learn through a series of some of the most extraordinary tape I've heard in any podcast that Violet is not, in fact, as credible as she appears. What did you think when you heard the interview first? Which one should we start with? How about the granddaughter?
4: No, how about first of all, oh, <laughs> before you get to the granddaughter, because you get that family last. Okay. You find out like the other cases she was involved in yeah. where she made accusations and went to the guy who apparently she made an accusation of uh, improper. he's he worked at a school. Because she wanted his job. She wanted his job. Yes. And we called her a messy woman.
2: Do you have an opinion about her or have any, any information that you could give us about her? I know she's very vindictive. She's like to be involved in a lot of stuff that doesn't involve her. Uh, She's very she's a very messy lady. Very messy.
4: If the credibility of a person is like really you know fair game because that's a big key to the conviction and putting somebody on death row, it is fair I think to question. Their character, and when your grandkids say "fuck you" to grandma because you're stealing my social security number and doing all sorts of other stuff, I think that says a lot about a person.
3: That's a true. I hate to say it. I know that's my grandma, but that's a true scam. All the deal. way she can get a dollar. I'm telling you, she ain't that type that's just gonna help somebody just to help them. So it gotta have money. It, all it got. It gotta have money involved. Wow. It just had. To, it gotta have. If it ain't got money involved. With it.
4: But I also like that, you know, they sort of give you a motivation. Like, was it just for $500 here or there? It just seems like that uh, Violet's son was always in trouble with the cops, and this was a way to ensure that, you know, that he stayed out of jail for uh, any, you know, extended period of time. But yeah, a really fascinating character here. It's the kind of thing where you don't usually hear a reporter kind of go there. And, and she, doesn't like really call her out and, and, you know, slander her in any way, but definitely puts the spotlight right where it should be.
2: Well, she does say, this isn't something I would typically do. Yeah. However, all signs point to yes in this regard. I mean, I think it starts kind of in a suspect way where the prosecutor is like, I just happened to be walking by another courtroom and I saw Violet hugging the mother of somebody who was on trial for drug charges and i thought that seems suspicious and i'm like that's kind of fucking uncool and but then it's like an onion like blooming toby you had a great description that we were texting about this podcast when i was listening to where you described this violet plot twist in a very specific way to me
6: yeah i guess it felt a little bit like gone girl to me in that it goes from being one story to a completely different story Like you go from sort of going into the details of what happened on this night and what are alibis and, and, you know, the pressures different people came under to, you know, there's this key piece of evidence and then suddenly it's like, well, the person who gave that piece of evidence is a serial liar and it's been documented and everybody knows it. And it's like, oh shit. So what this story really is about now is about this woman who is just leaving this trail of people in prison because she like wants some money and she wants to keep her son out of trouble. I mean that's why I think at the beginning when you were like, you know, you strongly urge people or whatever it was you said to skip ahead, this plot twist for something that's true crime and is based on fact or is fact. I mean, this is a pretty extreme twist and I think is is sort of what separates This podcast was just excellent anyway, like this kind of thing where the story just kind of does this crazy turn. It just makes it something more, in my opinion.
2: Laura, what do you think about how they chased down Violet's original motivation in this case, which is kind of how this whole thing started with Violet, right? Where they were like, why did she testify? Why did she do this? And they figure out it was for this reward and the state is all fucking cagey about it. But they did their due diligence. What do you think about that section of the podcast?
5: I loved that part because it was like, well, first of all, there's a defense investigator. I always like when there's a defense investigator out there trying to find confirmation of this $5,000. It took 17 years to confirm that she got this payment. But I like how like nobody knows anything about it. Nobody knows anything about it. And then... This one, like, I don't know if it was like a clerk or an admin in the office is like, oh, well, there's the secret file with the payout information. Of course. The secret file. Uh, I'm like, oh, we all have secret files. secret, secret file. file. Secret <laughs> file. I'm like, this is straight out of a detective novel. But what I loved is like setting up what we were just talking about, what Toby was talking about, like, as we get the full uh, picture of Violet and who she is, this is like, the initial little hint. So he goes there, the defense investigator, and he's like, oh, I'm here about like the reward that you got. And she's like, I don't know anything about that. And then he's like, and here's the paper. And she's like, oh, so she's like, clearly not credible and playing dumb and like downplaying everything. But I think that was like the perfect segue into getting just One thing after another about her and her credibility and also the way that she like did that jail call was like totally bonkers like helping her daughter who helped her boyfriend make a three way call from the jail so he didn't have to use his quarters or something. Like that, so it's bullshit. You're saying it's a bullshit story? Is what you're saying? There's just so much fucking bullshit, but and then she stayed um, on the phone. Yeah, she's nosy.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love to listen to people on the phone because I'm nosy, but and and you heard someone say, Hi, I'm Forrest Johnson, and I shot up a deputy. Okay, bye, click. It's
2: like it's incredible. Like, this woman is a reflexive serial liar. I mean, for reasons, ostensibly, but she's also trying to steal her own granddaughter's social security number when she joins the military so that she can get her benefits or whatever. So, like, there's a lot going on there in this person's head, obviously. One final thing I want to talk about is the former prosecutor who's now decided that uh, Tofaris needs a new trial, but won't go so far as to say that he made any mistakes in the prosecution of this case, even though he had two trials two weeks apart where he had two completely different theories of the crime with Mm -hmm. two different defendants and he was a fucking bullshit prosecutor at the time of the case. And he makes our reporter stand at the front of the church standing up for her interviews with him, which is bananas to me. (laughs) I know that there's a lot of half-measure stuff and it's supposed to be extraordinary. I have a really, really hard time with this half-measure thing and I know it's also extraordinary Kevin, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, we're talking about Jeff Wallace here. Yes. And yeah, I, I, I mean, Beth kind of puts it in perspective. It, it seems like a half measure and her, her frustration is palpable. I mean, look, there are few prosecutors that would like go so far as to contact a defendant's attorney like years after a conviction just because they have a sudden misgiving about their key witness. Also saying that DeForest deserves a new trial is not the same as saying he thinks he's innocent. But he certainly seems to be, like, standing by some sort of code about, like, the way the law works versus the way the actual world is and, you know, what the legal truth is and what the truth truth is. So it seems like he's only willing to go so far. That makes it disappointing. And I think he does know better.
2: Well, he says the evidence was enough in the courtroom for him to prosecute the case. And I call total bullshit on that. He presented a different case in a different trial concurrently to that case.
4: He's saying the ingredients were all there. But it comes out a shit sandwich is yeah. what it is.
2: The ingredients were there.
5: There was no physical evidence. There are no eyewitnesses. The first alleged eyewitness is so not credible. Changes their story. I mean, mm-hmm. how many alibi witnesses that saw to forest on the other side of town? There's some girl that he called that he had just met that same night or like met before, but like was calling. I mean, there's so much other information out there. I just I can't even. Wrap my head around how this
2: guy got convicted. There are alibi witnesses that they refuse to call back. Yeah. Like Queasy.
4: By the way, Queasy, (laughs) I've never heard anyone describe a a criminal defendant the way Queasy talks about Teforis, like how fine he was. She's like, "Mm." yeah, it's like the pre-chorus to a Salt and Pepper song. It was just like,
2: "Mm." I wanted to get with him. Also, I wanted to not have him not go to prison so I could get with him. I knew him from hanging
5: out in the neighborhood in Ansley, and I, oh my god, I had a crush on him. He was the finest. Yeah.
2: (laughs) What do you remember about what he looked like? He was short, Mm, a nice
5: body. Oh my god! Anyway,
6: one of the things that this podcast has in common with In the Dark season two is that you get a look at how sort of the arbitrariness and the open corruption and just the you know, and this even goes to like the thousand dollar cap on on the public defender and paying them twenty bucks an hour and stuff. It's all a system of oppression, right? It's all to show that you're helpless in the face of the state. Like you can be doing nothing and you can still be executed. That was one of the big things I pulled away from in the dark season two. And in this one too is with the falling of the old sort of hierarchies after the civil rights movement. I mean, this is one way of, 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 maintaining social order is to have people scared that you can live a perfectly upstanding, I mean, you don't even have to live a perfectly upstanding life. You just have to like not kill somebody, but you could still
2: be murdered by the state.
6: Yeah. You could still get a capital thing. And even though there's really no evidence, if they have somebody who they can pay a thousand bucks to put you in the frame somehow, like you're stuck. And if you get the wrong jury and your, your public defender is making like, an hour more than the guy at Chick-fil-A. It's just textbook. And that's how you keep people scared.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone, in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.
2: All right. Let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the new podcast Ear Witness? The whole thing is available to listen to right now on your favorite podcast app. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Ear Witness?
5: Yeah, this is a big thumbs up. Not since Curtis Flowers have I been so outraged about a wrongful conviction. This was extremely well reported, extremely thorough, really just took it to the next level. There's a lot of different twists and turns in this case. It's not straightforward. It's very interesting, but it's also very heartbreaking. And I really hope that something comes from this, even though it feels like the avenues have been exhausted in this case, that something comes from this, from this new awareness being put on to Forrest's case. So big thumbs up for me. Toby
2: Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Ear Witness?
6: Yeah, I'm a big thumbs up too. I mean, this this podcast kind of does all the things that we like podcasts to do. The journalism's really good. It's, it's taking a look at systems. It's got great voices of people who had interviews. And then two thirds of the way through, things change very drastically in a way that's super compelling. So it was really good to begin with. The way the story kind of plays out, kind of lifts it to the next level. The fact that the journalists were willing to kind of go with it and and sort of at the time recognize it for what it was and and sort of lean into the way the story shifted. I guess it's maybe not unique, but it's, it's quite a bit different than most things that we've heard. So yeah, big thumbs up. It'll be in the top 10 at the end of the year. Kevin Flynn.
4: Yeah, big thumbs up for me, too. This is a superior podcast. We haven't even talked about Beth Shelburne so much. The uh, the host, she is, I think, done the best narration and podcast reporting performance that I've heard. It couldn't be more solid. The writing, the way that part of it is executed. It's just so tight. We keep hitting these different story beats and then it just moves on to the next one just before it gets stale it gets every little thing right the story itself about the crime very compelling it's a real a remarkable achievement and especially when we don't really get much of DeForest Johnson in it because he's on death row he can't talk the way that they make him present in the whole story though is still remarkable big thumbs up
2: yeah, this is a huge thumbs up for me. This podcast for me is an instant classic. I think it's one of the best straight true crime podcasts I have heard, I want to say in years. The pacing, the signposting, the writing, the reporting are impeccable. It has at least three very significant plot twists that make you think, oh, wow, it's a whole different podcast than I thought it was going to be. And Beth Shelburne, the reporter here, brings all of the receipts, all of the sourcing, Everything you need to know, you know, when you finish this podcast. Uh, For me, it's up there with In the Dark Season 2. It's up there with Suspect Season 1. I love this podcast so much. I am telling everybody that I know to run, don't walk, and listen to Ear Witness. And if you have not listened to it yet, fair listener, download it right now onto your podcast. Prepare to go for a long-ass walk. Do your laundry. Drive somewhere. Whatever you need to do. Listen to Ear Witness immediately. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call...
4: The, the Crime of the, the
2: week. week! Whoa. Employees at the happiest place on earth say, no, it is not an urban legend. People really do poop in the ride lines at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Some live-tweeting park recently shared their sightings of parents letting their kids drop their pants and make a donation to the Rise of the Resistance attraction... And just leave it there. Oh, my God. But cast members, as they're known, say this happens all the time in the park, often multiple times in the same day. They call it Code H, which stands for horse crap. The code originally signaled custodians to sweep up behind the parade horses. Now it refers to any deuce left by any park goer. They say the worst is the long hallway leading up to the Avatar Flight of Passage ride. Oh, I know that one. Even though they have installed a bathroom halfway up. There's no particular theory as to what's going on. It's probably a combination of misjudging the wait in line, excited children, or pure stress poops thinking about Big Thunder Mountain. Surprisingly, there are very few problems with the people mover.
4: That's the one you would think by the name, right?
2: No, but that's such an easygoing ride. Yeah, you no. Know?
4: move. I get it.
2: So panel number two might be the number one problem for Disney. So how should they solve this problem? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Oh, boy. I mean,
5: I still haven't solved the dog poop problem in Exeter mm. despite putting game cameras up around the town. So I don't think that's going to work. I mean, can't we get some sort of incentive? Like you got to poop, use the poop bag. Like here's a disposal station. You get to jump two spots in line. I don't
2: know. Something. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Toby? Uh, how should Disney solve this problem?
6: Rebecca, I'm not as up on the Disney-verse as probably everybody else here is, but uh, what I do know is that Donald Duck has four cousins, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Pooey, <laughs> and I think probably one of those could, could take care of it. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> what
4: do you think, Kevin? Time to open a brand new log ride. What do you think, Kevin? A brand new log ride. Oh, that was your answer. That was my... Yeah.
2: Ah, <sighs> <sighs> My answer is, say, maybe don't take the song lyrics to let it go so damn oh, literally. Wow. Maybe. You know what I'm saying, guys? Yeah. Know what I'm saying? All right. That's going to do it for us. Laura Bricker, if people want to reach out to you on social media, how can they find you online? They can find me at Laura Bricker on Twitter. Toy Ball, what about you? If you want to be found online, how can you be found there?
6: At Toy Ball NH on X.
2: Kevin Flynn, what's I'm your a, handle I, and where are you?
4: I'm at Kevin P. Flint.
2: Uh, if you want to follow me everywhere, my favorite platforms are Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at Reb Lavoie. Follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. By the way, I'm also trying my damnedest to revive our dead Reddit sub at Crime Writers On Reddit. Uh, reddit.com slash r slash crime writers on so just turn
4: on you one day
2: no it's fine That's fine it's okay that's what reddit's for <laughs> anyway feel free to join me there I'm doing a perpetual AMA we also have a regular Facebook page just go there there's a post there you can join the group our group is rad get episodes early and ad free and all the content we make at patreon.com slash partners in crime media we've got a bunch of shows back there how many Kevin like 500 something like that I'm
4: almost for- that. 450 episodes wow
2: yeah. our theme song was composed and performed By Ty Gibbons Our editor is The wonderful Livy Burdette The executive producer Of this program Is Kevin Flynn This show was recorded In the Treehouse Yoga Studio Above the Mockingbird Cafe In Bay St. Louis Mississippi Studio Otherwise known as Studio C The Closet In our New Hampshire Basement Where we also Control the equipment Using broomsticks And duct tape On behalf of all The crime writers Thanks so much for listening We will catch you Later Later Toby Your camera lens You look like Barbara Walters In your camera lens
6: that was, I've got it on the Barbara Walters uh, thing.
2: <laughs>
6: I consider myself sort of a combination of Barbara Walters and Barbara Streisand.
2: Well, yeah. That's how everybody Hard-hitting thinks of you. journalist
6: and uh, versatile entertainer. That's right.
2: That's how everybody thinks of you, Toby.
6: I felt that was the case.